0: Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, health, and wellness. My name is Dr. Michael Falk, and I'm going to be hosting this episode. And I'm joined today by Sean Smith of Sticks Baseball Academy. Sean's the owner and uh, lead instructor and director at Sticks in Waukesha. Sean and I uh, dive into some of the differences between high school and travel baseball, some of the trends that he's seen in travel baseball over the years what he's learned from working with some of the best baseball players on the planet, including multiple professional players, um, and some of the advice that he can give to uh, athletes as they choose clubs, um, go into a high school season, and try to develop as a player. So this is a great episode. It was recorded a little while ago, and it's just now being released um, as we resume the podcast. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy. (laughs) welcome to another episode of the milwaukee sports baseball player and a coach with a five-year professional career and coaching at multiple different levels of baseball sean is passionate about helping players reach their full potential as both people and baseball players so sean thanks for coming on today really excited to talk about baseball development absolutely
1: i uh i appreciate you guys having me in here today to talk love talking about baseball and love talking about wisconsin baseball
0: that's perfect so could you just? I like to always start with a little bit of background. Could you just give me a little bit of kind of your baseball story? How you how you got involved and, and what led you to Open Sticks?
1: Um, I grew up in Oconomowoc. Um, family moved out to Oconomowoc in the late '70s, and I had three other brothers, and we are all sports uh, sports athletes. And um, my dad was a um, went to the University of Iowa, played football at Iowa. His dad. Uh, played professionally with the Boston Red Stockings back in the 20s and 30s. So it was always around sports. So grew up in Oconomowoc playing baseball. You know, We didn't have travel baseball back in the day and things like that. So we each played in about three or four different leagues just to get 30, 40 games in a summer because Good. if you play at the YMCA or the Rec or something like that, you only get about 14 games in per year. So my parents tried to put us in as many leagues as possible just to get 30, 40 games a summer. Um, Went through Oconomowoc High School, graduated in 1992. Uh, Fortunately for me, I had the opportunity. I was drafted by the Atlanta Braves in 92 in the fifth round and turned down a uh, college scholarship to Wichita State at the time and chose to sign with the Braves at the time Um, and spent from 92 to 97 um, playing professionally. So I played with the Braves, um, went to spring training with the – Tampa Bay Devil Rays, uh, their first year and then, uh, got released out of spring training with them, got picked up by an independent league team out of Madison and, uh, had a great summer there and then got picked up with the Cubs and went to spring training with the Cubs in 97 or 98 and, uh, had a great spring training, was set to go to AAA and about the last week they came to me and said, Yeah, you're basically gonna be the bullpen coach in A ball down the Florida State League. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna go back and get my college education and start coaching. So um that's kinda how my um coaching experience started was I went back to, to get my undergrad, ended up coaching down at UW Whitewater for two years. Um Really wanted to coach college baseball. I got hooked up with probably one of the best college baseball coaches at uh, University of Wisconsin Oshkosh and Tom Lechner. And uh, he taught me how to coach and taught me how to turn boys into men. Um, and then back in 2001, I was offered the head job at uw Lacrosse. Didn't offer me much money. My wife at the time was pregnant and said, Buddy, you better go find a real job. So <laughs> just kind of got to... Uh, um, I got out of baseball a little bit but I always stay involved a little bit. I came back to Oconomowoc and helped with the youth program and was helping with the with the Junior 50 program and helped build that and helped with facilities and I really enjoyed it and I said, "Man, maybe I can make a job out of this and make a career out of it." And that's kind of when I started Sticks.
0: That's awesome. That's uh, I, I didn't actually know your whole I mean we work with a lot of the, the some of the pro pitchers that work with you and i you know they always said like sean played, but i wasn't i didn't know your whole uh uh career trajectory through the through baseball Yeah, i was i was a catcher so yeah, it's, that's tough on the body
1: <laughs> yeah there's some days where i have to have help getting out of bed so four, four <laughs> knee surgeries ankle shoulder
0: yeah yeah it's a it's a rough uh definitely rough, rough position and uh, that's really fun and interesting background so one of the reasons that when we decided to do this that i was really curious about especially this time of year i think you have a really unique perspective coaching both high school and uh, travel ball as a baseball coach those are from my experience talking to people two groups of people that sometimes don't always get along Mm -hmm. from the high school and the travel ball side so I'm just curious from your perspective, like what are the biggest differences between travel baseball and, and high school baseball?
1: They're two completely unique beasts. The travel program is you're playing against the best competition around the country. You're playing in the best tournaments. So now I'm taking the best players, the 3-4 hitters from Kettle Moraine, Arrowhead, Oconomowoc, Catholic Memorial all over the place. I'm taking those best players and putting them on one team where you're playing at these showcase type tournaments and it's more of hey who's in the stands who can I put you in front of? It's my job to put those guys in front of the right people because they're not those college uh, those college coaches aren't necessarily coming up to Wisconsin unless you're a freak, but they'll go down to these national showcase tournaments and they're all there. So my job is to put those guys in front of those those coaches. High school baseball, it's more of a team game. You got more of the small ball game. You got more of the the teamwork and things like that that you're trying to work on covering and really teaching them how to play baseball. And I kind of try to combine both of those into our travel program where we're working as a team um, it, it, that way. Um, I love high school baseball. My best memories of baseball and playing baseball are with the guys that I grew up grew up playing with back in the day in Old Walk. Those are still the guys that I still talk to on a daily basis. Those are a couple of my business partners in the in the it sticks. So I love the high school baseball experience. Those are the guys that you go to school with every single day and you grind with those guys and you, you want to win championships with those guys and for those guys. Yeah. So it's too u- unique. Like, like I said, they're beasts and yeah. you, you treat both of them a little bit differently.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really interesting perspective. And that's something that like we get asked a lot about with, you know, players that are like, should I, I'm, you know, especially talented players. Like, should I play high school baseball and I'm. I'm always like, why wouldn't you like? That's like it's okay to just go play baseball and have fun and like, yeah. you know, like yeah, if you want to get recruited and stuff, the summer's probably a little bit more important for that goal. Mm-hmm. But sports can also just be a fun experience and be part of a team and and there's something to really be said for that. So I think that was a really interesting perspective um, on that. I'm probably
1: different than most of the the club guys and travel guys, but I had an unbelievable experience and played for an unbelievable high school coach, and we were extremely successful, and I think I just see it a little bit differently that way because of my experiences, but I, I love high school baseball, and I try to combine and take the best of both and, you know, try to create almost a hybrid type and combine the two of them.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's awesome kind of along those lines, it seems like Wisconsin baseball recently has really taken off in the last kind of seven, ten years, where before the reputation, at least, was to be, you know, a really good player, you had to be, you know, from down south, and that's mm-hmm. where most of the schools recruited from, things like that, but, I mean, just looking around now, there's so many talented players here getting Division one scholarships, getting drafted, playing, having successful pro- professional careers, so what have you seen as the shift kind of in your time um, since you've been involved in baseball so much over your life that have helped players stand out and develop more? It, it's fun to
1: watch. I, I'm guessing when I was in high school and graduated in 92, I'm guessing there was probably less than five Division One players in the entire state of Wisconsin. Now you consistently see right around 40 kids sign Division One scholarships yearly. Now we got guys going in the first round of the major league draft. They're going up their high. You know, there'll be a couple more this year that are drafted fairly high out of high school. Um, it It's guys like RJ Fergus down at hitters, Greg Reinhardt at GRB. We're there with, at Sticks Academy with our guys. But what we've done is we've, taken these guys from wisconsin and we've played them against some of the best competition in the country and you only get better by playing better competition so we're getting them out of wisconsin going and playing better competition but i think the biggest thing is being able to do it with the facilities that we have now the indoor facilities we can do it 12 months a year now we're playing games in January and February and we're starting to catch up to the number of reps that our kids are getting here in Wisconsin. We can catch up to the guys down in Florida, Texas, Arizona, California cuz we're doing it all year round now. And now we can take them to these showcases and let them perform. Okay. Plus coaches love the Midwest work ethic. They I one of my good friends is the pitching coach at Arizona. Uh, he's actually originally from Wisconsin. Uh, but moved out to Las Vegas and played professionally and coached at Oregon State for a while. But he loves guys from Midwest. You know, most of them, they have that Midwest work ethic, blue-collar type attitudes, um, and they're fresher. You know, they're not getting taxed. Their arms aren't being punished like they are down in Florida. Yes, we can practice throughout the year. We're getting the reps, but we're not playing games, you know, crazy amounts of games all year round, so they get that rest as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting perspective. And I almost think, too, sometimes it's like um, I played lacrosse in Texas growing up, mm-hmm. and it was almost like we had better all around athletes in Texas. Like, they maybe weren't the best lacrosse players, but like a lot of kids started getting recruited because coaches saw potential and, like, okay, if you're this good now, imagine what you can continue to develop in when you come in to you know another program and, and, and keep getting better
1: the athletes have always been here in Wisconsin um, and it, you look at the division three sports in Wisconsin at the college level whitewater Stevens Point Oshkosh lacrosse they dominate in that division three market yeah well they've taken the Wisconsin kids who are usually two or three sport athletes and now they're getting them on campus because nobody probably saw them in high school and they're finally focusing on one sport. And they're taking off, and that's where you know UW Whitewater football has taken off, and lacrosse at, in Oshkosh, Um For years, they have been some of the that's some of the best programs in the country as far as Division three sports. Yeah, yeah. And, but now in baseball, we're starting to get the recognition for baseball in Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, it's just great to see, you know, the some of these players get a chance to shine and in. And reach their goals and their dreams you know when they when you're a little kid middle school or whatever saying i want to play pro ball and now you're getting to see kids get drafted and and have that opportunity it's it's been fun to fun to watch develop and i think what you guys are doing and if you haven't ever seen sticks facility it's gorgeous and essentially a, a full baseball diamond inside temperature controlled which is which is great when it's negative 40. Out. <laughs>
1: it's a, it's a huge advantage and it's, it's fun to watch those guys continue to develop and, you know, just getting the reps in all year round has, has been huge. And, um, you see those kids take off.
0: Yeah, that's great. So let's say kind of along those lines, you've got a younger fan player or family, you know, maybe, I don't know, freshman, late middle school, something like that come into you at sticks. They say, you know, my goal is to play a division one college baseball. What advice do you give athletes like that? And what process do you and your team at Sticks go about, you know, in terms of creating a plan for them to develop and reach those goals?
1: Well, first of all, I I mean, I can't guarantee anybody any scholarship. Yes. You know, just because they play for us or one of the other bigger clubs doesn't guarantee that they're going to give a division one scholarship. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I can't pull a rabbit out of my hat and just say you're guaranteed because you're not. At the end of the day, it it comes down to uh, your work ethic. You know, we're going to put you in the right position as far as putting you in the right tournaments, making sure that people are able to see you. But at the end of the day, it boils down to that kid and his drive and his desire to get in there. You know, we'll lay out the programs for him, but if he doesn't put the work in and the effort, um, there's not much I can do. Yeah. Um, the guys that I've seen that have come through our program um, and had, uh, you know, exceptional college um, careers and gotten those scholarships are the guys that are there the most.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I, those are the guys that are calling me and saying, hey, can I come in after hours and get my work in? Well, heck, yeah. I'd rather you guys be out there working out late at night instead of, you know, messing around with some of your, <laughs> your high school buddies and yeah. causing trouble so the guys that are there the most are the guys that are exploding Yeah. so we'll put you in the right position as far as putting you in front of the right people that need to see you but at the end of the day you need to be able to produce you know we're gonna have you know the programs laid out for you what we're doing that part of the year and things like that but at the end of the day you still have to produce
0: yeah i love that i think you know on a slightly different track but we I have a very similar conversation with families that are trying to rush a kid back from injury for a specific PBR event or showcase event. And my question is always like, well, okay, there's a safety aspect and I can advise you on that. But from a performance aspect, there's no asterisk. Like if you show up at an event and you get seen and it's not good, it's not going to be yeah. like, it's not going to be like, oh, you know, little Johnny's arm was sore and he's fresh off an injury. No. Like no your numbers are your numbers or your your play at a at a big event is your play so if you keep showing up at good tournaments and you're not good you're getting seen (laughs) it's just not what you want on tape
1: showcases open up doors for you numbers open up doors for you but at the end of the day you still have to
0: produce yeah exactly exactly so kind of in your experience um and i think you hit at it there a little bit with just the production but um if you look at the players that do get the opportunity to play in college versus the players that don't get those division one offers. What are some, what are some things that you see as a difference between a high school player that has a chance to play the next level and a high school player that probably isn't going to be a division one player? I'm, I'm unique this
1: way. Um, I don't care what level program you play at division one, division two, division three, NAIA junior college, go somewhere and play, build your life resume. Um, You're more hireable as an adult, having played a college sport than just being a college student. You know, if I'm hiring people, I look at guys that played a sport because they know how to work with a team. They're competitive. They're driven. They're used to getting up at five in the morning. Those are the guys that I think are going to be extremely successful. It's not something that you can open up a book and learn about through reading, reading material about it. It's, it's doing it. It's competing. If I'm hiring a sales staff, I want guys that are, are competitors yeah. and want to win. So I don't put a ton of stress on what level, what division you play at. Go somewhere and play. Go somewhere where you're going to play right away. You don't have to sit around for two or three years to wait your turn. Go play. Yeah. I love it. So it's my, my perspective is probably a little bit different than most, but mine's about building your life resume and being a lo- being able to be a productive adult,
0: I, I think it's very refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I just think it's something that we see. Um, I mean, we were even talking about it a little bit before we before we start recording, where it's like, you know, is anyone really going to remember? I, I'll I'll just talk from my own perspective, like being involved in teams in high school. Like, we want to stay championship and a couple of sports and and those are fantastic memories and really good lifelong friends but um, you know for me what I at the time I thought it was awesome and you have a ring and mm-hmm. there's a banner in the gym and that's really cool but no one else really cares anymore but learning about sacrifice and being part of a team and, and all those other things have those are the things that have you know taken with me and I think that's what just being involved in team sports can do and I think it gets gets lost sometimes in today's day and age and it's like does anyone really care who who wins the seven U little league game like, no. you know what i mean at the grand scheme of things no yeah exactly no. so no i think that's i think that's just such a refreshing um take especially from a high level coach's perspective and um i think we need more of that philosophy throughout all of youth sports and uh think we'd have a lot of kids that are in a better spot
1: yeah i i love it i love what i do on a daily basis and you know i get more pleasure out of seeing these guys you know graduate from college and going on and have successful business careers as well so i take as much pride in that as i do a guy playing professional baseball yeah build your life resume and be ready to be a productive adult in society
0: that's great Okay. Then I know this is a question that we ask a lot of coaches that we have coming on. Um, and something that I've really found very interesting, this is actually something that other, um, therapist Brett asks, suggests I ask you, I like looking at the difference between elite and what we call like near elite. you know, people that make it all the way to the top and people that still play at a very high level have good, but they're not the best. I know you've worked with, athletes ranging on that mm-hmm. spectrum including you know one of the best prospects in baseball right now but just from a baseball standpoint what do you see as a difference from those like you know the dude like the guy that is uh, that's a really really good player that's going to have a long professional career and good players but you know not that elite level i
1: i am lucky i get to and you were referring to him i know you were, you didn't want to say the name but i'll say it i get to work with Jared Kalanick. You know, I've been working with Jared since he was probably 15 years old. I work out with him four or five days a week in the off-seasons. Um, and he's an absolute freak athlete. It's just a lot of it's God-given. But that kid is the hardest worker I have ever seen in my life. Playing professionally, I was around a lot of great athletes, but they didn't have his work ethic. His work ethic is unbelievable. Even back going back to high school, he was up at... 5, 5.30, working out before you go to school and get done with school and you go back and work out again. Um, so his work ethic is unbelievable. I mean, yes, he has the physical, natural, God-given ability, but he also has the work ethic. Okay. The, the thing I think separates the very good player from the elite player is mental toughness. Baseball is, yeah, they always say it's a game of failures. But it's how you deal with that failure. Everybody can handle success; that's easy. The failure is how to deal with that and how to overcome. So, mental toughness, I think, is what sets those two—the good player from the elite player—is the work ethic and the mental toughness.
0: Yeah, I love that. The one of the again, I I read about this a lot because I think it's fascinating what we can learn. But there's a, a study that they asked a bunch of different elite and nearly where it's like people that, uh, won an Olympic medal versus people that made it to the Olympics or people that played a professional sport versus people that made it to D one in that sport. And they, one of the biggest differences was how they dealt with setbacks and mm-hmm. the way they asked about this was surrounding injuries and the, you know, the elite, the guys that won an Olympic medal made it to, you know, as a starter in a professional sport, um, they viewed injuries as an opportunity like I learned so much about my body by going through that process or I whatever they had different responses but it was always relatively positive and universally and then universally that those near elite people they viewed injuries as an ex, like an excuse essentially well I would have done this except I got hurt or I would have done you know whatever and I've that's something that we talked about with everybody almost in their first, session with us is like there's two ways to approach this and we're going to encourage you to max like yeah it sucks you're in my office and not at your practice but you can either use it as an opportunity or you can feel sorry for yourself and the takeaway from that article and the phrase that they use and that we've kind of adopted is that talent needs trauma you know like talent has to go through something hard otherwise they're not ever going to be able to reach their full you know, full potential, like they have to fail at some point so that mm-hmm. they can learn how to deal with that.
1: And that was one of the things that really, I think, stopped my career and why I wasn't, should have been more successful um, was the mental part of the game is how to deal with how to deal with the failure. You know, coming from Wisconsin, I was a big fish in a tiny, tiny, tiny <laughs> pond. And You know, going, you know, four for four every game and hitting home runs all the time. You know, I didn't see a guy probably throwing over 80 miles an hour back in high school. Yeah. Well, you get to pro ball and you don't see a guy throwing under about 95. (laughs) So learning how to deal with a three or four strikeout day, you know, that I remember calling mom and dad and saying, I don't know if I can do this. And it's the mental part of the game and the toughness. One of the best things I ever did for my career was, Um, there's a sports psychologist down at, down at UW Milwaukee. I don't know if you know her or not, but Dr. Barb Meyer. She's a sports psychologist. She deals with a lot of hockey players, golfers. Um, and it was awesome. Just how, how powerful the mind is. And, you know, just the visualization and and things like that. Just everybody works on training their body all the time. But how many people spend time to, to train their mind? And that's probably the most powerful thing
0: yeah no it, it seriously as we could go on and on about it there's fascinating research where people can actually work out versus imagine that they're working out and the the people that work out actually do get a little bit stronger but just doing nothing and imagining that they're exercising they actually get stronger too so it is it is really amazing what your brain can do and how important it is and i think baseball it's a pretty it is a team game don't get me wrong but it's little bit more in the lines of golf and tennis is like if you're a pitcher a batter like you can't hide you know you can't blame your teammate for for that walk or the homework you gave up or or the strikeout like so i think it is really uh, really really important all right you can't talk to a physical therapist about baseball without at least getting into injuries a little bit so arm injuries are rising at all levels, from Little League through the Major Leagues, um, despite everything that we continue to learn. Um, I obviously have some opinions and theories on, on why this is, but I'm always curious from a coach's perspective and someone that's been involved in the game for as many years as you have, what do you see as some contributing factors to this rise in arm injuries? There's a lot of factors.
1: Um, kids, I don't care if they're seven, eight, nine they they play too many games. They don't ever shut their arms down. Um, so they're throwing all the time and um, there's not much downtime. You got showcases year round where kids aren't ready to go. Yeah, you kind of alluded to that before with the showcases, they're doing them at times that kids don't need to be in shape. You know, my kids don't need to be in shape 100% in January. If they're ready to go in January, how are they going to last April, May, June, July, August? And now we're playing fall ball, you got September, October now. So they're never going to make it that far. So, uh, And I think the biggest thing is these kids are so strong nowadays with all these different things that they can do. I, I think they throw too hard too soon, and it puts a lot of stress on their arm. You know, I'm I'm not a big, you know, hey, they're throwing too many curveballs because I, I'm i kind of a believer, and you might reach across the table and smack me across the head, but I believe that if a kid throws a curveball properly, there's no more damage on that elbow than in throwing a regular fastball. Absolutely. So I just think it's the numbers of throws that they're making, and some of these kids are just way too strong, and their bodies aren't able to handle that type of load.
0: Yeah. No, I think you hit on a lot of good... Points and I'm definitely in your camp. uh You know, curveballs are not the enemy. It, 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 the most stressful thing is increased velocity. You know, so um, yeah, if you were throwing a curveball harder than you're throwing your fastball somehow, then the, the <laughs> curveball would be more stressful. But uh, otherwise, it's always increased velocity. And I, I mean, I agree with you. I tell Ben Heller's velocity story to everybody that I meet where. You know he didn't throw that hard in high school and kind of, but he kept making gains every single year, and he got two to three miles an hour all every year through high school, every year through college, and even his first couple of years after he got drafted till he was up at ninety eight hundred whatever he ended up hitting, and everybody that'll talk to him will ask like, well, what what was the secret to? like what did you do to gain your velocity from being you know whatever he was 80 something in high school to 98 in the big leagues and he's like there i his answer is always amazing he's like i worked out really hard in the weight room and i learned how to throw hard (laughs) and like you know there, there was no secret like he he worked on his mechanics he did all that but i love that you know he just gained two to three miles an hour every single year Throughout his development, and,
1: and and we we've been around this long enough, and we know that kids are going to keep increasing their velocity, even if they don't do anything, by about four percent per year. Right. Yeah. We we just know we know that it's about three four percent. If a kid takes a huge spike, where he goes ten to twelve percent in one year, that kid's probably going to get injured. Yeah. So I, I, it's a, it's a gradual development versus just taking a huge spike. I don't need to learn how to throw 15 miles an hour harder in one off season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I always, people ask me like, what's the best velocity enhancer? And I'm like, puberty. Yeah. <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. You're going to throw a lot harder after that. Trust me. So I, yeah, it's interesting. We'll see, um, you know, we're, we're trying to do stuff on our end and, and working with other people and trying to see if we can make improvements. But, it, you know, it's hard to say we're making a lot of progress just as a baseball community around this issue because we keep learning more and having these different different ideas, but we're not changing anything successfully at this point. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, you kind of mentioned it in that, um, in that answer about just the throwing schedule. So I'm just curious. I know you have a pretty um, strong recommendations for your players. How do you handle throwing in the off season um and, and kind of that throwing schedule um it's kind of, we
1: kind of set it up on a yearly cycle um we usually back it way down in you know after the seasons um you know most of our high school guys play fall ball um you know in september and october after october after they're done we basically shut them down we'll keep them playing catch up to about 75 to 90 feet but they're just playing catch we still want to cycle the arm but we don't put any stressful throws on it whatsoever, so we kind of shut it down for three months or so, and then we start gradually building back up, starting right around Christmas. So that way, they're a hundred percent when they start their high school seasons in March and April. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's no reason to go hundred percent all the time. So we we build it back up so that they're ready for their high school season and can you know withstand you know six month season.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great schedule and there's a lot of great things in there from the the gradual buildup to the fact that like you don't have to completely shut down you know if you're a baseball player like it's okay to just go lob a ball around um that's still so much less there's a difference between throwing a 70 pitch outing and like throwing 25 balls at 60 feet right. yeah you know? just keep cycling yeah yeah so i i love that and i think um, from an injury standpoint you know, that rest or that, that decreased load is important. And, um, I love your philosophy on that January showcase that we seemingly feel like we have to do in Wisconsin is probably not optimal, especially coming off the three months rest. Um, so I think any, any athletes that that's listening to this, this would be a great rough annuals plan for you to try to implement in your, your throwing schedule. Okay, last thing surrounding injuries. Early sport, sports specialization is another kind of hot topic that we get asked about a lot. Um, I'd be curious from your perspective as a baseball coach that works with a lot of talented players, um, do you have other sports you like younger players to play that you think carry over well into baseball? And is there an age that you start encouraging players to specialize and focus just on baseball?
1: I think kids should play as many sports as possible. I, I, mean, I, <laughs> I, I, grew, I grew up and I... You know, my, we were a racquetball family. We grew up playing racquetball.
0: I played racquetball with my dad. Yeah. yeah we we grew
1: up playing. Um, so I, I played racquetball. I wrestled. I love wrestling. I think wrestling is a great, you know, one-on-one competition, survival of the fittest. Um, it's, for a pitcher, probably not the best thing because you're <laughs> wrenching on shoulders and elbows. Yeah. But the balance and just the mental toughness it takes to wrestle is Awesome. I love it for the balance part and the, the mental toughness. You know, I grew up playing basketball, baseball, football, soccer. I did everything. Yeah. You know, I golfed. I played tennis. So I was always messing around doing something. So as a younger kid, play as many, play as many sports as you can. Um, you know, we start to see um, kids starting to specialize, and they kind of figure it out after their freshman year of high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where, you know, that 15, 16 age range is kind of where they start to figure out, all right, yeah, I like football, but eh, I don't know if I want to continue to do those practices. I'd rather jump into one sport. Just because they're playing one sport starting their sophomore year of high school, they were still a three-sport or four-sport athlete growing up. So that still Absolutely. makes them a multiple-sport athlete. Just because they decide to focus on one at 15, 16 doesn't make them a one-sport athlete.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um You know some guys that I've had. You know Zach Clayton from Oconomowoc. He was an All-State wide receiver. He was a thousand point scorer in basketball. He was an All-State baseball player. Uh, He went on to Oregon State to play. Had injuries that stopped his career short, but a phenomenal athlete. I'm looking at Luke Fox right now, who I wish I would have had at CMH had we had a season last year. But he's a freshman down at Duke right now. He was an All-State quarterback, basketball player, All-State baseball player you know in high school he was probably 87 to 89 miles an hour didn't focus a lot on baseball but went down to duke on a baseball scholarship he's now 94 to 96 as a true freshman in college and he's going out to the cape cod as a true freshman and he's probably going to be a high draft pick in two years and he's getting one of the best educations in the world and, but he's taking off now because he's never really focused on baseball and you're seeing that huge increase in him as a baseball player because he's finally he's finally doing it.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, there's so many good like carryovers from other sports into baseball, mm-hmm. just controlling your body, building strength. I mean, if you just if you came out of a basketball season into baseball season you don't have to go run poles to get in shape. Like, you're in you're in plenty of good shape having yeah. come out of that sport. Um, and it just gets you doing something else and builds that overall athleticism. And I'm sure from a coach's perspective, it's like, you know, you can take an athlete, you can take a good athlete and teach them more baseball skills and help develop that as it goes. If you have a very limited athlete, they can have the best mechanics in the world. They're still not going to throw very hard because right. they're just not very athletic. Right. So...
1: No, another point to that is um, you can't just turn on the light switch and compete. Yes. And competing throughout the year, if a kid's just specializing in baseball, he's only competing four or five months a year. Those yep. multiple sport athletes, they're competing and competitive and trying to win all the time. So those competitive juices are flowing all the time. Yeah. You can't just turn on and off the light switch. Yeah. and another last point to that is college coaches love multiple sport athletes yeah they do
0: no i i agree i mean and scouts and gms and stuff do too, too i mean when you look at i mean i think the i'm going date when we're recording this episode but I, i'm pretty sure the nfl draft starts tonight and when you look at the top 10 15 25 picks I doubt you're going to find very many that only played football in high school. You know, yeah. you're going to find a lot of guys that played football, then basketball, then they were baseball players. You know, Kyler Murray was drafted in football yeah. and baseball. You know, the idea that the best players in the world specialize early is completely wrong. It's actually, they spe- in general, the, the best players in the world specialize later right. um, than, you know, the really good ones. So um, I think that's great advice. Okay, last thing I don't want to give any so feel free if you don't want to give away any uh, any state secrets about what you have going on over at Sticks. but I've had the opportunity to go into your new um, kind of pitching lab and pitching development area are you willing to share anything that you guys are starting to do with your pitchers and what led you to make some of those changes in your pitching program
1: um, yeah I, I can talk about a little bit I think it's, it, it's going to be unique um, we're, we're basically have another facility off of our main facility that we've set up just for pitchers. We know that pitchers open up a lot of doors for our position players as well. Everybody, colleges, pro guys, are always looking for pitchers. Pitchers open up the doors for our position players to get recruited and scouted. So we wanted to find a place or put a place together where we can not just work on velocity. Velocity is nice, but at the end of the day, if you can't throw strikes and throw multiple pitches for strikes, you're not going to be very good on the mound. So we've kind of developed a program, a yearly program, where they can work on the conditioning of the arm. They can get it in shape. We can work on some of the velocity. But we can also work on the mechanics of the, of the pitching. We can work, work on pitch shaping with some of the technology that we have there. Um, and we can also work on the strength with some of the weight room stuff that we have going on. So we'll be putting together a yearly, you know, pitching program for those guys where pitchers probably from about 13 on up can come in and work, um, with the J bands and the plyo walls and the core velocity training. You can work on your mechanics and set up drills to work on the mechanics. Then afterwards, you get your weight lifting in and your balance work and things like that to just to work, kind of work on everything with pitching and not just come in and throw, you know, heavy balls and things like that to, to build the, the velocity. You know, it's, it's pitching training. It's not velocity training. It's not how do I throw a hundred miles an hour? It's how do I become a better pitcher? and incorporate all of that and i think that's what makes it a little bit more unique that uh, from what other people do
0: yeah no it's a it's a cool facility and you know i'm going to be following along closely with what you guys have going on i think it's something that's definitely needed in our area and and uh, i'm excited to see see where you guys end up taking it and see the pitches that come out of uh come out of sticks
1: and it's kind of nice because i'll have you know, some of the guys that you worked with in the past, you know, Connor Fisk, Evan Krasinski, some of those guys, I mean, they're doing a lot of that program, yeah. but they're also going to be teaching it for us next year as well. You know, they love being in there. Connor's in there every single day, I think. Um, and he's he's helping with the young kids now, and he's giving back. And that's one of the reasons why I started Sticks Academy in the first place was to give back and allow kids to from Wisconsin the opportunity to continue their dream as well.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's, that's great. I think we're going to, uh, Connor did a podcast with us once. We're going to do a podcast with Evan. I'm, I was joking. That's going to be, you know, the first explicit podcast that we've had on, on, uh, on iTunes with, uh, whenever Evan comes on, he said he has to, he's at the alternate site right now. And he said he's at his wits end, uh, uh, you know, being in a hotel for 30 days. So he said, he said, we need to wait till he gets, gets into his own apartment and settle into his routine, but, uh, that'll be a entertaining one. So All right, well, I think we can wrap up there. So just ask, we always finish with a quick little lightning round, just some fun questions to let people get to know you better. Um, So being from this area, do you have a favorite local Oconomowoc restaurant? Uh, Are
1: we talking pizza or steak? My pizza place, my pizza pizza go-to is Rosati's. Okay. And my steak place is Palmer's in Heartland.
0: It's hard to, hard to beat a good Palmer is a uh, Palmer steak. Oh,
1: unbelievable. unbelievable. Um,
0: favorite, do you have a favorite uh, baseball memory?
1: I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of them, but I guess I'll, I'll give you a funny one. Um, the funniest moment, probably, and probably the most embarrassing moment in my baseball career is I grew up being a shortstop. Okay. You know, and I wasn't blessed with the greatest of speed and... You know, my, my having conversations with my dad and my coaches in high school, they said, I think you need to be a catcher. (laughs) So left-handed hitting catchers are hard to find. And if you can, if you can catch and you can hit from the left side, you can play this game a long time. So I always grew up a shortstop and my sophomore year of high school, I got moved to catcher. The first guy that tried to steal on me, I, I don't know if I've ever thrown a ball this hard in my life. My arms never felt better, but the first throw I made down a second base, um, our pitcher was about six foot five, and he was kneeling down on the mound. I threw it straight into his head. He had his head, he had his back turned. He was kneeling down. I hit him right in the head and the ball went about 40 feet over the first baseman's head. So, <laughs> oh, <geez>. that, <laughs> so that's probably that's probably one of my most memorable and probably the funniest stories that I had. I don't know if he gave up a hit after that, so maybe I woke him up a little bit. Yeah, he, yeah. He, pitched, he pitched better after that.
0: <laughs> Help him out. That's funny. That's, uh, that's a good one. Um, all right, last one. Do you have a favorite like baseball tip that either you like to give to players or that was given to you uh, growing up?
1: Uh, as a hitter, hunt fastballs. Okay. Go hammer fastballs. Don't miss them. If you okay. get a fastball, go hammer it. Go hunt fastballs. That's
0: good, good advice. All right, Sean. Thanks for your time today. Um, if people want to learn more about you and what you guys have going on at Sticks, is there anywhere that they can find out more about you online?
1: Yeah, we have a website. Um, it's sticksacademy.com. Sticks is spelled a little goofy. It's S-T-I-K-S. And then academy.com. And then we're, we're on all the social media networks, Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok, Facebook. So we utilize all of it.
0: Okay, perfect. We'll, uh, we'll get the get your handles and that uh, website in our show notes. Thanks again for your time today. And thanks to everyone that's uh, listened to this episode. If you enjoyed this show, we really appreciate it if you leave a review, comment, or share it with a friend or teammate. That would benefit your support means a lot to us, and we want to help spread this information to as many athletes as we can who would benefit. So thanks again for listening. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Hey, Dr. Michael here. I want to say a sincere thank you for taking the time to listen to that episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. Dr. Brett, Lauren, and I are all extremely passionate about this podcast and trying to use it to help share high-quality, factual information and debunk some of the common myths and misconceptions that we see around athletic performance and rehabilitation. If you have a minute, we would sincerely appreciate you taking the time to leave a rating and review on iTunes, or sharing this podcast with a teammate, coach, or colleague who you think may benefit. We want as many people to be able to hear and listen to this information as possible. Lastly, if you are on social media, head over to our page at MKE Sports Podcast or at kinetic underscore SMP to follow us so that you get all the latest information. We love to engage, so leave a comment on this podcast. Tell us what you learned or feel free to ask us a question. We sincerely appreciate all of the support and we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode.